So you spend hours and hours preparing for your fantasy basketball draft. But when the season starts, if you don't bring that same energy, you might very well miss the fantasy playoffs. In this episode, my special guest is going to show you how to master in-season roster management so you can make the playoffs and win your league title. Welcome to the Believe in Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The weekly show dedicated to helping fantasy managers like you crush your league and bring home multiple championships. Now, your host, Robin Marks. We believe every NBA fan who plays fantasy football should also play fantasy basketball. This episode is presented to you by Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates on statistics, news, and odds from week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl. BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today and use the mobile device to get in on the action. Remember, use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. I am so excited to bring on our guest. He is... An amazing, an amazing analyst, works with Roto World. He's been there for about two years. He's the host of the Tank Me Later podcast with a focus on dynasty fantasy basketball, which we all want more of. And he's about to drop some fantasy one-on-one knowledge on your headpiece. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome my main man, Noah Rubin, to the show. Welcome to Believe in Fantasy Basketball, Noah. Man, it's awesome to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to get into what we got to talk about today. Well, let's jump right on in. So I think people often are so focused on their drafts, Noah, that once the draft is over, it's almost like they kind of forget that they have to manage their roster sometimes. It's like we put a lot of energy into drafts, projections, rankings, but then when we get into the season, sometimes folks don't give that same attention to in-season roster management. So talk to me if folks don't even know what that is. What is in-season roster management and why is it so important? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned everybody loves the drafting part. Everybody loves mock drafts. We've been doing mock drafts for about a month already and it's still a month to go before the season. That's always the most fun part. But in-season roster management is just as important if you're wanting to win. Oftentimes you can lose your league in the draft. You can you can't necessarily just win your league in the draft. You have to also be able to make good moves throughout the season. That includes uh, trades. That includes streaming. That includes making waiver moves to pick up players, uh, using your IL spots appropriately. And I mean, with the way the NBA is today, with all the injuries that everybody tends to have every single game, uh, it's a lot to keep track of. And it ends up being a grind. But if you're able to stay on top of everything, it gives you a huge advantage throughout the season. And what about IL spots? Just when you mentioned that, it kind of triggered something in me because like post-COVID, like IL, IR, it's a whole different situation. Talk to fantasy managers about 
how they should maybe approach that with their commissioners if they don't have one and if they only have one, what would be your recommendation? Yeah. So the way I like to approach it is, you know, injuries are a part of basketball, but I don't want somebody to just have incredibly, just be incredibly unlucky and just lose because they had five guys just suffer season long injuries or major injuries and just totally get ruined by that. So I think having two to three IL, IL plus spots, if you're using Yahoo leagues, IL plus is a lot more free to use than IL. Uh, if you just use their standard IL spot, they have to actually, the Yahoo app has to actually say this person is on IL. They have to go in and manually do that to prove that they're going to be out for an extended period of time. IL plus any sort of injury designation, you can put them on there. And even if it's just like a one game absence, it helps a lot more to encourage streaming options. Cause you don't want to have to drop somebody just because it's Sunday, you're about to lose your matchup. They were put out last minute. You don't want to drop them just to stream somebody that's going to play in front of them uh, just to have a chance to win your matchup. So just moving them into that IL plus spot helps out a ton. And I think especially with the way the NBA is today with hardly anybody playing 70 plus games, a lot of guys playing in the sixties or less, especially stars, it's it's vital. It's vital to have a fair experience. Yep. And just for the record, Noah Rubin endorses IL Plus. <laughs> yes, that is the way to go. You approve. You approve that message. One hundred percent. All right. So let's let's talk more about in season uh, roster management. How important are how important are trades? And do you have any tips or strategies? For fantasy ma- uh, managers so they could execute successful trades. There's a lot of trade offers going out, but maybe folks aren't executing. You have any tips or tricks uh, that folks could use? Oh, yeah. There's a, like you said, a lot of trade offers go out. A lot of time it's, man, this player isn't playing as well as I thought I would. I'm going to try and offer him, just kind of expect everybody to really like him and just hope they give me a good player. Maybe it, go- maybe it works out. And, you know, always shoot your shot. That's fine. But if you want to actually be able to, you know, engage in trade discussions and have a good deal, you want to go in with the mindset that you're not here to just win a trade. You're here to make a trade that benefits both sides equally because that's the only way the other manager is going to make that trade as well. If you're just expecting everybody else in your league to be an idiot and give you all the good players, you give them the bad players, you're probably going to end up being pretty disappointed. So I think if you go in with the mindset of I'm going to do what I can to help you out, and you do what you can to help me out. We can be, we can have something that's mutually beneficial. I think uh, something else to look at. I've seen you do a lot of episodes on punting and punting different categories. So if you want to look at, say, you are punting free throws, and there's a player like Nick Claxton that you really want to acquire. He is a horrible free throw shooter, but great for rebounds, blocks, field goal percentage. And you have uh, somebody that is shooting 88% like let's say it's one of the Bogdanoviches you're s- just not saying goodness that's not what I'm saying I'm not saying even trade value right then and there but that could be somebody it's like okay they're really good free throw percentage I'm kind of punting that it's not vital to me um, let me try and see if I can work something out maybe it's them and another player to somebody that Claxton is kind of dragging down their free throw percentage so having team direction and recognizing that other teams have a direction as well and playing off of that, I think helps make trading more beneficial for both teams and just a lot easier, a lot more pleasant. And that's the last trading tip that I have is to be pleasant. You know, you don't want to just get mad because somebody doesn't value players the same way. You can show them any ranking you want. You can show them 
how they're producing this year. You can show them, oh, they had that 40-point game. Why don't you think they're going to keep doing that? If they don't necessarily believe in them, you're not just – unless you're able to just convince them, it's going to be very difficult to try and pull that off. So just, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out, even if you think it's a good deal. Let's talk a little bit about uh, overreacting the first couple of weeks of the season. So this happens – in fantasy football, it happens in fantasy basketball. Like somebody has a dud and they're like, oh, I, I got to trade Luca. Like I got to move him. Let me see what I can get. Let me see if I can salvage the season. Talk to fantasy managers about overreacting in those early weeks and about the marathon mindset when it comes to fantasy basketball. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of factors to consider about why a player may start off slow. 95% of the time, if a player is just not playing as well as they have in the past, that's probably somebody you're going to want to hold on to. You're not going to want to necessarily sell them at their lowest point. If Luca comes out and really struggles the first few games, you got to look at why. Is it because he's not as good anymore? No, that's that's not the case at all. Is it because they've found some other offensive option they like better? No, that's not the case at all. You know, Luca just uh, played in FIBA and then maybe he had a shortened off season. Maybe it's taking him a second to get back into the swing of things for NBA. He has a couple games early on that he struggles. That's not even a guarantee that that happens. But, you know, especially with first, second round picks, you don't want to jump ship within the first couple weeks, especially if their value is kind of lower. You know, there are guys that maybe you expected to have a really good season uh, that just may not start off very well, uh, whether it be somebody that you drafted in the first round or somebody you drafted in the seventh round. If you believed in them getting into the draft, if you saw, okay, for example, I've been beating the drum on Derek White for the past few months saying that I think he's going to be really, really good. He's a starting point guard in Boston. Um, I'm probably drafting him in around pick 70, maybe a little earlier even, just because I really believe in him. Um, if he struggles out of the gate, I'm not going to just say, okay, maybe this was some failed project. I'm just going to drop Derek White or I'm just going to trade him for somebody that might be a little bit of a safer option. I believe in him for a reason. I believe in him because, you know, he's never had a starting point guard job. I'm not saying he's going to come in here and be Trey Young or Luca and just run pick and rolls all game because that would be pretty stupid of Boston to do. But I think he's going to benefit from the role, assist go up a little bit, still play big minutes, not having Marcus Smart to compete with. It's just Brogdon. I think it's a good situation for him. So I'm going to let it, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to trust it for a few months. And, you know, if it comes to the point where it's, two, three months in, Derek White's just bad, then maybe I'll I'll take a look at it. But I think if it's somebody that you believe in heading into the draft, then you really need to stick to your gun guns and just roll with it. Just, I mean, if you believed in it, unless it's a guy that it's, you know, last two rounds of the draft, you're kind of probably saying, okay, I'm going to take a, an upside guy, somebody that might be really good this year, but might not. Two weeks in, a guy like, for example, Tari Eason or like one of the Thompson twins. Well, rookies are a different case, but somebody like Tari Eason, maybe not getting the minutes that you thought he could, or he's not doing as much with his minutes. He's more of a flyer guy. Then maybe that's somebody that you look at. Okay. Maybe later in the season, he'll be fine. But right now he's not really doing much. And he was kind of a late round pick. Let me drop him and pick up somebody that is playing really well. That's sitting on my waiver wire. Very nice. Very nice. I got one more question about trades. Where do you stand in terms of uh, league vetoes? Because all of the drama that I've seen in Discord, I've seen in the comment sections on YouTube, 
a lot of it stems from like, yo, he tried to fleece me. My my, you know, my commissioner approved it. We wanted to veto veto it. What is your position? What would you recommend for fantasy commissioners? How do they? How should they handle vetoes? How much time do you have? Because I can I can go on about that. <laughs> that might be no. a whole episode. That might be a, that be, might be the next episode, Noah. But just give me the condensed version, and maybe we'll unpack it in a future episode. Yeah. So in my opinion, that if you're playing with somebody that has never played before, it's their first time and somebody just fleeces them in a trade. Okay. They're learning. Let's, let's try and figure this out a little bit, but if there's money on the line, you, you know, trading and negotiations are part of the game. You can't limit somebody's negotiating ability. If they're very good and are able to pull off these trades, you just have to let it go. The only way that I would veto a trade and it has to be, in my opinion, not a league-wide vote is the commissioner's discretion. Was this collusion? Did these two teams say, okay, you know what? I'm going to just give you my good player for your bad player. And assuming it's redraft, go win the, go win the league and then we'll split the winnings. Not saying it, it's necessarily that's how the conversation goes, but if it's pretty obvious that a, a two teams worked together to have one of them benefit, then I that's vetoable. That is probably removing from the league. I mean, everybody, if, especially if you're putting money on the line, you don't, that that's cheating people. Like that's just wrong. So just, you know, that's not somebody you really want to play with. Other than that, like I said, you don't want to limit somebody's ability to play the game and negotiations are definitely part of the game. I've been on the right side of bad trades. I've been on the wrong side of bad trades. I've been on what I thought were fair trades or I was even winning a trade and it got vetoed and it's like it, there's nothing more frustrating than pulling off a trade that you think was good there was one it was a fantasy football one where i thought i won the trade and they the league vetoed it because they thought i lost the trade too bad and i'm like no i just got two future picks for sam darnold and sam darnold's not good so they were you know vetoing it because they said sam darnold was worth more and i'm like no i'm as you can see behind me i'm a jets fan i know he's not good i'm happy to get two rookie picks for him. So I think it ends up creating, like you said, a lot of drama, a lot of conflict with people. And this is supposed to be fun. I mean, it's money on the line a lot of times. So it is something to take serious. Um, colluding just isn't cool, but I think that's the only way that so, trade should really be vetoed unless it's kind of an obvious situation of somebody really not knowing what they're doing and losing a trade because of that. Good stuff. Good stuff, man. That's good. Nuggets. Make sure you guys are taking notes. The other um, or the next question or the next topic I want to cover is, you know, how it is. Folks are like on their phone at work, checking their lineups, you know, they're in the bathroom like me. I got kids, so I'll go to the bathroom and I'll be like in there for 30 minutes. They'll be like, Daddy, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing, you know. Um, so we're tinkering with our lineups, trying to figure out who we should drop, like like who's my bottom guy? You have any um, factors that you take into consideration or would recommend for managers when they think about what are some of those indicators where we need to drop a guy? Yeah. So, you know, I think there's a couple obvious ones, a couple ones that I, I mentioned briefly earlier, but, you know, a player that's out for, you know, rest of the season or a long period of time, look, notice when your league ends, when your playoffs end. If, uh, for example, I believe it was, uh, uh, Pokushevsky from the Thunder was going to be out until it was like an early season injury last season was going to be out until March. Okay. Well, if we're trying to accommodate for the NBA starting, like a lot of teams started to tank around middle of March, 
we're trying to end our leagues where the championship is, you know, I believe maybe this was last season's day, like ending around March 12th, like middle of March um, to avoid kind of random guys playing the end of the season, because then it's just who gets those guys in the waiver wire. Uh, that's probably a guy that's like, okay, even if you thought Poku was going to be really good last year, he's not going to play till March. If I just use a roster spot to hold on to him, I might miss the playoffs. I mean, if you have that IL or IL plus spot and you're able to hang on to him, then great. But if you're needing to move guys in and out, you know, I don't, if he's back in March, he's probably not going to be able to walk right into 30 minutes per game. We just probably need to punt on that idea until next season. Uh, players that are significantly underperforming that you didn't necessarily believe in, like, you know, if it's a first, second round pick, let them underperform a little bit They're They'll probably bounce back. Um, but guys that you got in the later rounds that maybe aren't panning out, like you said, my Tari Eason example, you know, are the minutes there is, are they struggling, but the minutes are still there and they're not decreasing. Like what is the coach saying is the coach saying, well, you know, maybe we're going to look at some different lineup options. And then, you know, if they're going to try and move away from him, maybe it's time to find somebody else that's going to play minutes. But um, to me, it's your last few guys that you drafted. Uh, those are probably the guys you're going to drop the quickest. And then the middle round guys you probably still believe in. And then the early round guys you probably aren't parting with aside from major injuries or trades. That's very good. Very good stuff. And on the other side of that coin, what about when you're on the waiver wire? What are some best practices to find those gems? Like, how do you, uh, you know, identify guys that could have that upside that you're looking for, or they're just hot right now? How do you find those guys? Yeah, a lot of that is, I guess, you know, differentiating between who's going to help you for two games versus who's going to help you for twelve is kind of difficult at times. It's you know just a judgment call, but I think it's paying attention to why somebody is producing. Are they producing because somebody got hurt, but as soon as that person's come back, comes back, they're going to obviously take back over. For, for example, if we look at Dallas and bringing up Luca again, but if when Luca and Kyrie were hurt last year, Josh green and Jaden Hardy were awesome. They had a, a nice stretch of games where they were dominant, but everybody knew that it wasn't going to be okay. Uh, Jaden Hardy and Josh green are playing well. Luca's back, you know, we'll just kind of ride the hot hand. Like they're not doing that. They're just going to go right back to Luca and Kyrie. That's just making the money. That's the face of the franchise. So those guys, you know, you're getting a limited amount of games out of them, but keeping up with injury news to be able to know whether they're staying in that role or not. Um, another one is a guy like Cam Thomas. I felt like that one was a lot of people felt last year when he had three 40 point games in a row, it was kind of like, well, why isn't he in the lineup? A lot of people, I know I grabbed him off uh, the waiver wire in one of my leagues then and just kind of assumed, Hey, he's dropped 43 times in a row. He'll at least have a role the rest of the season, but didn't end up happening. Like a couple games later, he was getting like single digit minutes. It's just sometimes it's paying attention to actually watching the game, seeing how they're using him as Cam Thomas was really benefiting from a lot of guys not playing as they, it was after the trades that sent away Katie and Kyrie. So once those guys like Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Spencer Dinwiddie were back in the rotation, Cam Thomas, as soon as he stopped dropping 40 per game, he kind of fell out of the rotation. So I think it's paying attention to factors a lot of the times and seeing why somebody is playing well. And then the other thing would be um, looking at their schedule as well. So a lot of leagues will have matchup 
acquisition limit. So for example, it, it might be like standard, like seven acquisitions per week. It, maybe your league doesn't have them. Um, maybe they do. So if you're saying, okay, like it's Monday, I know that this player, you know, the guy in front of them, I think it was last year towards the end of the year with Chris Dunn in Utah, if I'm not mistaken, they had like a two game week. And I wrote a, a column saying, Hey, you should pick this guy up. And I had like seven people comment and say, he actually only has two games this week. So I wouldn't do that. I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess that is something to consider. So, cause if you have, you know, limited acquisitions and you're picking up a guy that only has one or two more games that week, it may not be as worth it. Even if he is going to be really, really good in those games, every league's different. So some people could have really benefited from picking, making that acquisition. Uh, others, it doesn't necessarily make sense for them. So understanding some of those league rules and how much freedom you have, I think, is another factor to consider. Very dope. And what comes to mind for me, uh, we have a lot of new fantasy basketball players in my community. And many of them come over from fantasy football. And that's one of the biggest challenges, right? In fantasy football, we're like, all right, we got Thursday, we got Sunday, and we got Monday. <laughs> and, you know, we know who's going to be playing um, and everybody has the same kind of advantage, right? But with fantasy basketball, we have this dynamic where if you have a, a player who has more games, then you just got to make it work. So talk to me about streaming and how important streaming is when it comes to in-season roster management and how players can actually take advantage of that to get them to the fantasy playoffs and hope, hopefully the championship. Yes, yeah, streaming ends up being incredibly important. You know, like I said towards the beginning, like you can probably lose your league in the draft, but you can't necessarily win your league. You have to do a lot of in-season management. Streaming ends up being one of the most important things because even if you think that you drafted the best team possible, hardly anybody plays 82 games. And even when they do, for example, like a Mikhail Bridges or Nikola Vucevic, they don't play every day of the week. There's still seven days to fill out lineups for it. and maybe not every one of your guys is playing you know between injuries we, we talked about guys that aren't playing very well sometimes you have to drop them so streaming ends up being very important my uh chris dunn example last year towards i think the last month of the season he was like in like top 50 in nine category leagues zach collins was another guy that wasn't drafted anywhere but then he was finally able to get a spot in san antonio after they traded Jakob Pertle. And he was top 40, I think, over the final month in nine cat. So those guys end up being league winners. If you're playing your league that deep, it's like you're having this guy that's playing better than somebody you literally drafted in the third or fourth round just because of the opportunity, you know, especially down the stretch, things get, it's called silly season because it's guys that you're like, come on, like, like not to just hit the nail on the head, but like, it's silly that like this player is putting up the numbers that they are. They wouldn't do this if this was a team that was trying to compete for a playoff spot, this guy wouldn't be seeing minutes. And now this team is pretty intentionally losing. Like, for example, uh, Portland and OKC a couple of years ago, some of those were so blatantly obvious where it's like, yes, you, they've played six players that haven't played a game yet in the NBA th this season, but they're playing six players and they're all playing 40 plus minutes. You're telling me they're trying to win this game? They're not. They're not. They're, they're you know, making sure players don't get hurt. Okay, sure. Like I get it's a meaningless game, but those are factors that especially down the stretch you have to consider. And, you know, streaming is important all season long so between injuries. I mean, somebody's people players are going to get hurt whether it's minor ankle injuries or something more long term. 
and somebody's going to have to fill that spot. A lot of times there is, you know, somebody else that maybe was drafted that can fill that spot and just simply benefit from it. But sometimes it's guys that were entirely out of the rotation that all of a sudden are thrust into 25 minutes per game. And sometimes it works out really well and players end up really, really benefiting from those extra minutes. So streaming players is, you know, just kind of throwing them on your team for a couple days at a time and then dropping them and replacing them with somebody else. Um, I think when you're drafting, so if it's like a 12 team league, you're probably going 13 or 14 rounds deep. Those last two or three rounds specifically, I think I mentioned this briefly earlier, but you're taking high upside guys. You don't want somebody because if it's say it's 13 rounds, you know, you don't want somebody that's going to finish 150 just to kind of meet value. You want somebody that has the upside to finish in the top 100 or even top 75. You don't want that guaranteed, okay, he's just going to kind of meet value for this pick. You want somebody that has the upside to exceed that because that's what matters at that point. Just having guys that are at their value aren't isn't going to help you win. So you're taking guys with a lot of upside. If it doesn't work out, and generally you can kind of figure that out rather quickly if this guy is going to work out, at least in the short term. For example, I'm sure Ben Simmons is probably going higher this year than towards the end of the draft. But if you were to take a guy like Ben Simmons, okay, I think he's making his comeback this year. And then it starts and it's kind of been the same story from the past few seasons. And he's just either dealing with injuries or the lack of aggressiveness is just limiting his upside, things like that. It's like, okay, like we tried this experiment. Cool. I'll drop him and stream somebody else. And then that's like somebody that I can't think of an example that would be guaranteed because we have to wait and see, but somebody that's going to come in, play big minutes for a few games. Okay. Now the, the starter in front of them is back. I'll drop them and pick up somebody else in the same, you know, scenario. So it's just keeping doing that, uh, keeping your lineup fresh. It's, you know, like you said, comparing it to fantasy football, obviously you're making moves in fantasy football throughout the season, but you know, this is every day potentially having new guys come in and play for you. So it's, it definitely ends up being a grind to, to keep up with, but it, it's a huge benefit and helps you win your league. Yeah. I, that always trips me out when I'm talking to my friends or people who are into fantasy football and are like, ah, oh, no, nah, I can't do fantasy basketball because it's too much work. I'm like, what, like, isn't that why you do fantasy sports? So you can like, it's like having fantasy football every day of the week. You know what I'm saying? So I yeah. don't, that, that idea of it being too much work, I'm so, I'm having so much difficulty accepting that from people who love fantasy. I'm like, if you love fantasy, you don't want to do it because it's easy and you only get to do it once a week. If you could play fantasy football every day, you probably would. That's why a lot of people play daily, right? It's, it's wild mm-hmm. to me. Um, I wanted to ask you about, those late round sleepers do you have any players that you would that you're targeting or you're comfortable sharing because i know you probably have league mates who listen to your content and you got to worry about them sniping you in drafts so feel free to hold back the good stuff but if you want to give us some of the mid or or high high mid we'd appreciate some sleepers from noah rubin yeah i'm uh just looking at yahoo adps right now um what i've found in drafts is taking centers later has worked out really well for me because I have a lot of centers that I like going late. Uh, For example, uh, Mark Williams is going to be the starting center for Charlotte this season. Like he was really, really good when he was their starter last season. Um, And now he's the full-time starter. LaMelo's back. They have more talent. Uh, 
and he's going if it's a 12 team league in the 11th round and same thing i mentioned zach collins he's going around that same point around pick 127 28 those are two guys that i think have i mean i'm not saying going to but they have the upside for like a top 75 top 50 even season if things go according to plan you know zach collins like i said last two months of last season he was top 50 in nine category and last or the final month he was top 40 so i don't think that that necessarily happens over the course of a full season but he has that upside he's shown that potentially averaged uh during that stretch i think like 1.1 blocks 1.1 steals um a few like multiple assists like four assists per game still good rebounds over a three so it's like really really good production those are two guys that i really like especially for centers uh another guy i mean i think kind of the thompson twins are also some favorite late round targets of mine i mean probably i mean their value is a lot higher in dynasty like it just obviously is but i think that they could end up doing more this season than maybe some people realize i think with Amen Thompson, he's going to come off the bench to start the season behind Fred Van Bleet, but he's too talented for them to just sit on the bench, sit him on the bench while Fred Van Bleet plays 37 minutes per game like he did in Toronto. Like, that's just not going to happen. I think he could end up playing a little bit more, especially now that Kevin Porter Jr. probably isn't playing basketball this season. And then Asar Thompson has a chance to start in Detroit. And, you know, he's not going to have the ball in his hands a ton because of Kate Cunningham and Jaden Ivey but he was really good defensively in summer league. So some of those defensive stats are really hard to find, especially from rookies and getting in the later rounds. I think both of them are guys that I really like targeting late um, with, with a lot of upside. Great. And I know that you're a dynasty guy. So if we have fantasy managers who have their startup draft this season, talk to me about that top five. Because I know some folks are moving Victor Webb and Yama into that uh, spot. I saw that on a, a recent article I read somewhere. I know the Joker's in that conversation. What do you think about the top five and, and where do you stand for Dynasty? Yeah, so I'll, I'll probably extend that, but I won't go into too much detail. I'll go more than, than five because I think, in my opinion, there's there's tiers to it. There's a clear top three and then there's a clear next four. And then another one that's pretty evident, like that's how it should be. So to me, it's Nikola Jokic is the best player in fantasy basketball for the past three seasons. And he's 28 years old. His game does not rely on much athleticism. He's not going to slow down within the next few years. He's the guy that should go number one in every draft. However, that doesn't necessarily happen uh, because of the Wemby hype. Everybody wants to get their shares. Um, I think the next two guys to me are Luca and Wemby. Uh, the the hype behind Wemby, the upside of him is just too great for me to take him outside of the top three, especially in Dynasty, knowing that I could have him on a team for the next 15 years. Like that's that's too much for me to let go, which is granted insanely high for a rookie. Like there probably haven't been many rookies to be drafted this early, but I think everybody knows like this is the most hype prospect since LeBron. And especially for fantasy basketball, you're talking about an athletic guy that can dribble a seven four he's gonna block a ton of shots like insane and obviously luca is right up there as well the next four in you know i think you you kind of find this this is like the common denominator of like the one the next the one two three in that order Jokic, luca Wemby, and then the next four is kind of depends on the person to me i go Lamelo ball tyrese halliburton jason tatum 
and then Shea Gildas Alexander. Those are my next four in that order. That'll change depending on who you talk to, but I find that to be kind of the common thing. I think LaMelo is going to be incredible this season. And I think, I think he has the most upside of those four. And I think he's actually going to show it this season. I don't know how many people would disagree with him having the most upside. I think ankle injuries and whether that happens in Charlotte or how that happens is kind of where the question lies because the other three Halliburton Tatum and SGA have proven that they can produce at that level and they're still really young. So I, Lamelo still has more upside to me, and that's why I have him there. Um, and then number eight to me is clearly Anthony Edwards. Um, and then after that, it kind of, you know, for me, I'm sorry, I'm just reading through my rankings now. I won't go too far, but Cade Cunningham, Joel Embiid are wrapping out my top 10. I think that's the upside for Cade is why he's top 10 for me. I, I think he's had a really good year. It may start a little slow. Incredible prospect. And then Joel Embiid has been number two in fantasy the last two seasons, and he's Still only 28, I believe, maybe 29. He still has he has a few more injury concerns, requires a little bit more athleticism than Jokic, which is why he's not up in that same conversation. Um, but I know you asked for five, and I went said I was going to go eight, and then I went 10. But sorry, I, I, uh, I get excited. <laughs> no, and, and you know what? I was going to say that, that when we started talking dynasty, your, your body language changed. Like your whole energy, you were like, oh, let me get – you're like, that's yeah. what I really want to talk about. So I appreciate well, it. And – we, yeah. we love when, when folks over-deliver. Listen, Noah, it's been an honor having you on the show, but I want to take some time to just talk about what you have going on, what's up next for Noah Rubin. I know you have the podcast. Just take a few minutes to tell the people what's going on. Yeah, so you know, I mentioned at the beginning I work for Roto World, which is the fantasy part of NBC Sports. Um, we actually, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, have our draft guide coming out tonight. Um, I think it was originally scheduled for Monday, got pushed back a little bit. i I'm not in the all the details for that. I just kind of write. But um, I believe tonight um, that'll be releasing, which, you know, me, Raph, and Zach, Raphael Johnson, Zach Hanshu, uh have been working really, really hard on for like a month trying to crank this whole thing out. So very excited for everybody to be able to check that out. Uh, the Tank Me Later podcast is my dynasty podcast. Uh, I've been doing an episode a week for a little over five months now. So Excited about the way that's going. Um, I actually just started, I guess the next episode will be the first one, but with Fantasy Basketball International, we'll be hosting my uh, podcast, which I'm excited. I mean, Adam King was basically my co-host anyway. He's been on like, I don't know, like five of the last seven episodes or something just because he messages me and says, hey man, you want to do a podcast? I'm like, yeah, I'd love to. Like, that sounds great. Um, so yeah, they started working with them. Um, I was haven't been doing it much because of the draft guide, but I was doing like three columns per week, uh, just dynasty columns, just trying to get some content out. And I believe they'll also be hosting those articles when I start doing them again, which I don't know. I thought about doing them this week, but maybe next week. I don't know. At some point it'll start back up until life gets crazy again. But that's, uh, that's about what I've got going on. Um, it's just, my podcast uh, with FBI now and then work for Roto World and that draft guide, which I'm very excited for everybody to see. I have a couple dynasty articles. My new top 300 dynasty rankings will be in there. Um, we have other rankings, other articles, and then team and player outlooks for, you know, every team and 10 to 12 players for each team. So over 300 player outlooks. I don't know the exact number now, um, but yeah, a lot of work went into that. So, Anybody that wants to check that out, I, I hope you won't be disappointed. I hope it can help. <laughs> 
I'm sure they'll love it. Noah, uh, a lot of our uh, people in the community are young people who are interested in getting into creating content, going into journalism, covering sports. Can you take a couple of minutes just to talk about your journey, how you ended up at NBC, why you decided to take this route, and any advice for any young people that might be interested in doing the same? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm, I actually graduated from college in December of 2021 um, with my degree in journalism. So I started, I mean, I got that from the University of North Georgia, but while I was in school, obviously doing journalism classes, I also had two different part-time jobs covering local high school sports in the area. Um, you know, sometimes that was, because North Georgia, I don't know if you know or anybody that's listening knows, it's in Dahlonega, it's kind of up in the mountains, middle of nowhere. So sometimes I'm having to drive an hour through back roads just to cover a volleyball match or two or something like that. So it was just, you know, not, not the most fun for me, but it was part of the process. And then, you know, getting into more, uh, so starting with a company there doing that for like two years and then did a uh, few months, well, like six months with Forsyth County news uh, doing local sports there as well. Um, doing some more feature stuff too, instead of just game recaps and then using that and, journalism degree uh playing this is really a crazy connection that got me landed with nbc but was playing pickup basketball uh in dahlonega just met a guy that uh happened he's like hey like my friend works uh for nbc sports writing fantasy basketball do you want me to i know your journalism like do you want me to uh ask him about a job like yes like i'm covering local like literally in the mountains volleyball at times you know baseball i'm not a baseball guys but like i know there was like man there was one time i was out there for like four hours because the game went to extras and i'm like this is not what i'm here for but like yes this is i'm not enjoying this this is just something to get me to there yes please uh, and it was it ended up being that the connection with steve alexander uh who's not with nbc anymore not with roto world but still doing great fantasy content um so he got me connected with him and ryan Knaus. And I believe that was March of 2021 and then just continue to stay in contact with them. And then I think I started with actually working with them in November of 2021. So right before I graduated uh, from college and I've just been working with them ever since um, it was, so it's like you said at the beginning, it's coming up on two years now. So now it's right now it's just uh, me, Raph and Zach holding it down. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been quite a ride uh, there it's been such an awesome experience getting to get involved with the fantasy basketball community everybody's been welcoming nice supportive um you know everybody still has opinions but i think that the way that fantasy basketball analysts and writers approach each other and critique each other is so much more positive than what i sometimes see from fantasy football um so i'm assuming that as fantasy hoops grows that that'll you know, start to shift a little bit just because there's more people. Um, tensions, I guess, kind of happen. But um, yeah, I'm very excited about where I am. Everybody that I've met has been awesome. It's been such a cool experience. Very dope. That's an awesome story, man, especially the pickup basketball. I think it's poetic <laughs> that, you know, right. on the blacktop that you ended up making a connection like that. Uh, I wanted to take a minute to thank you again for pulling up to the show, Noah. You've offered Absolutely. tons of value, uh, not just to me, but everyone in our community. So, you know, we're we're always sharing your stuff 
and referring people to, to check out what you're working on. And we're excited to see what you do in the future. I appreciate that so much, man. Thank you for having me. It was awesome. Yep. Just sit tight for me. I'm going to close out the show. Absolutely. Wow. You talk about value, value, value. If you need help or advice, drop your questions in the comment section of this episode. I promise I will respond to every single comment. And now that you know all about in-season roster management, play the waivers, set your lineups, and check out the next episode, you freaking fantasy nerd. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Believe in Fantasy Basketball Podcast with Robin Marks. Join our free Discord community at BelieveInFantasy.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at BelieveInFantasy. This episode was presented to you by BetOnline, where the game starts.